Welcome to The King's Table, a podcast at King's Hill Church in Boston, where we seek to elevate the Bible over opinion, answering the questions you have. I'm your host, Jonathan Mosley. Today we have with us two church members, Rachel Gamble and Sam Erd. And we're answering the question today, how is community different after college? How can we be healthy builders of community post-graduation? Enjoy. Sam, Rachel, great having you with us today. Well, guys, here's why this conversation is so important to me, because I know many stories of people who had a hard time building friendships post-college. And what happened as a result is that they, unfortunately, they grew bitter at the church, that the church wasn't meeting the needs they had. And so they came to the conclusion that people there, church, didn't care about them or love them. And I think a lot of this is, is due to mismanaged expectations. And, and you hear people say all the time, you know, I wish someone would have told me dot, dot, dot. Right. And so we want to be people to the punch. We don't want someone to say, I wish someone had told me that building community after college was a lot harder than what I expected. So we want to be honest and I, I hope helpful. And we are coming at it today with the angle of building Christian community. So that's kind of the framework for how we're diving into the discussion today. Guys, you know, as people look back over their college years, I think in a lot of ways, they see their college days as the glory days, uh, especially as it relates to relationships. Why do you think this is? Well, college is fun. Like, it's supposed to be fun. Like, yes, you're going there to get a degree to hopefully get a job, but there are people, lots of people on campuses whose entire career is based on making it an enjoyable experience for you. And you don't find that in most workplaces and in your adult life. Uh, It's not like your apartment building has like a fun coordinator, but dorms do. Um, So I think the whole experience is a really sort of intensely fast and hopefully positive one. Um, So experiencing that with friends is something that just kind of amplifies the experience. So when you're in college, there's not like, a huge spectrum of people and everyone for the most part is similar to you. So you picked the same school for some reason or another. Most likely some of your friends are in your same major and you picked that major for some reason or another. And when you meet people, you're typically meeting them at an event or a club that you chose because you have similar interests. Um, And it's very easy, at least initially, to be friends with people that are similar than you. Um, So a lot of people just look back on that and it's like, wow, I had this really uh, tight knit, close group of friends that, if you're going to class with people every day, you see them constantly, you're eating with them, you're studying with them, you might live with them, live in the same um, dorm as them. But I also think there's not a huge permanence to college friendships, uh, because you know graduation is coming. So as you move through college, like those friendships ebb and flow, and that can be hard, but it can also be kind of fun because you're constantly meeting new people. And I think that's exciting. Mm Yeah, I think I think you said a lot of a lot of really good stuff there, Rachel. Um, I, honestly, it, I think it comes down to the fact that college just isn't real life. It's it's life with all of not all of the but a, a lot of the the difficulty and mundaneness just removed. Um, so, like, of course, you look back on that and you think it's the glory days. Like, people do that with their childhood. Also, college isn't unique for that. It's just you don't have responsibilities. Like, at the end of the day, someone's cooking for you, probably, um, especially if you're if you're um, an underclassman. But someone's cooking for you. You've got this this little dorm room where you know you've got a couple of roommates. Um, but 
relationships are relatively low key. Everyone's meeting each other and, and moving on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty, um, I think, I think simple time for me, I, I'll say, uh, college was not the glory days for me. There was, there was a lot that I really loved about it, but I, I do think that life gets better as you, as you keep going. Um, though I think humans have a tendency to sort of always see the grass is greener on the other side or remember things more fondly than they are. And I know that happens to me also. Like when I look back, it's, it's always with rose colored glasses. All that to say, I think there are things that make it uh, nicer and easier and um, uh, I guess a simpler time in life. But by and large, I think it's just, just um, bias of, of looking back over your shoulder. Yeah, that's those are great points. Yeah, when I, when I think about college days, there was there was accessibility, right? If you're if you're in college, you're on a campus. The amount of people your own age in a condensed space is through the roof. The Rachel, you alluded to this. The entire college scene is geared towards meeting those that you might naturally be drawn to with similar interests and passions, such as the major you choose, the clubs you join, and all kinds of hangout spots that are easy to get to. If you're in a dorm, you can walk down the hall for conversations that can extend into the night. I mean, in a lot of ways, you, you can kind of stumble your way into a community. It's, it's right at your fingertips. So I think accessibility is big, but just frequency. I mean, my friends were always close by, so I could talk to them, spend time with them multiple times a week, sometimes even every day. So they were woven pretty tightly into my life. This meant that one, I never had to grow a relationship over the phone. <laughs> I'm not the best phone guy anyway. Uh, number two, I never had to bring people quote unquote up to speed because they were pretty much walking in sync with me. So pursuing the discipline of opening up or letting people in wasn't all that necessary. We all pretty much ran on the same track, so to speak. Our studies, our free time, our friend, our friend core, they integrated almost seamlessly. So everything was tied together. And I don't know if there's really a period in life quite like it. So I think accessibility, frequency, those are reasons why relationships can grow so fast in college. But I also think explorability. Uh, 18 to 22 is a big jump, right? Like you move from your teenage years to an adult. It's a, it's a massive transition. You're making decisions on your own for the first time. There is this new independence that you're enjoying. You're maturing mentally as you develop your outlook on the world. And you have this free time that's just full of potential and oftentimes to choose to create memories. And as much as a college student may cringe at this sentence, you have the most free time you'll ever have in your life as a college student. And, and all of this is happening with others. And I think this tends to forge close friendships because they're experiencing the same thing that you are. In the physical sense, you go exploring with others and these fun moments bring you close. But in another sense, you're exploring purpose and meaning and questions of life. And these depth of conversations also bring you close. So I think the frequency, the accessibility, the explorability, I think you look back and you're like, yeah, relationships were a lot different back then. But, you know, I think there's this conviction that we have, you know, kind of post-graduation now where we're removed from college that, there's this truth that community is not something you find. It's something you build. And we look back on those, those college days and we still had to build it back then. It was just easier, but you don't just find it. You have to build it. So I, I guess my, my question to you guys is post-graduation, what was unexpected 
about building community? Um, I think that <clears throat> there is an immediate decrease in friendship simply because like you graduate and everybody typically goes wherever home is before you start um, adult life. Uh, and one thing that I noticed a lot during college was I went to college in Boston and there's a lot to do in Boston. And if I wanted to do something out in the city and a friend of mine didn't want to do that thing, there were a million other things that they could pick from. It wasn't like, like I kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere. And if like friendlies was the only place that was open after 8 PM. So if you wanted to hang out, that's your one option. Never been to friendlies. No saying no. What'd you say? I've never been to friendlies. Oh, it's good. Classic. But like, that was it. That was like all we had. So in the city, if someone didn't want to go somewhere, it's like, well, they could just go somewhere else. And it's kind of the same way with friends in college. If someone didn't want to be friends with this person, well, there's 50 other people right there. And when you leave college, your options suddenly significantly decrease. Because even like if I were to get lunch with a friend during college, we're sitting at a cafeteria table, but there's like 20 other people on either side. You're constantly around other people. And something that I found going to work, um, I'm a teacher. And when I was hired, I was one of only two new teachers in the building. And I was the youngest person in the building, youngest employee in the building by three years. So I kind of felt like everybody's child. And I felt like they all felt like they had to sort of parent me through this job, which was great. But it's a little awkward because you're entering a community that's already been established. And a lot of times with careers, the people that you're joining the team with have been there for like 10, 15, 20 years. So they're not just like, oh yeah, come on board. You sort of sometimes feel like you have to earn your way in. Um, so I think that was just a little strange. And I have great coworkers and good friends at work, but it takes time. It just naturally takes time to build those relationships. Uh, whereas in college, you sort of show up with like a thousand other people your age and you're all in the same boat. Um, and I just think that's something that I, I didn't uh, know going into the sort of career world. Yeah, that's really good, Rachel. Yeah, I think what was unexpected for me was, I think, three factors. One was the, the time factor. In, in college, besides attending class and working a part-time job, you know, you spend the time the way you want to. But after college, your margin for investing in relationships dramatically shrinks, right? The, the normal job is 9 to 5, which doesn't include commuting. So your day could start around 7-ish. You guys are both teachers. Your day started in uh, earlier than that right and then your day ends around six and by the time you get home right and there's cooking dinner after that and so if you have spouse and kids then you're wanting to give them attention and some love and your day it just it flies by and the time you had in college for investing in relationships it's just not there which means building community comes a lot slower but not just the time factor i think the energy factor i'm i'm an introvert at heart, right? Which means I need to be alone to recharge. So in addition to having less time in my schedule for building relationships, the time I do have, I'm really tempted to use it for myself so I can recharge for the demands of the next day. And after a long day of work, the last thing some people are thinking, me included at times is, oh, like, let's go to work, you know, more work, growing a friendship, right? It's just not what I'm naturally drawn to. But I think too, the, the travel factor, uh, in, in college, an encouraging conversation could be had by a short walk across the campus or walking down the street or even just down the dorm room, mm -hmm. right? But in cities, it's not quite the same thing. You might not have a car. So deciding to meet up could mean taking public transportation. And so that could, that could mean traveling somewhere 30 minutes there and back. So an hour, you know, adding both directions. And in Boston, what if it's winter? Now you're saying yes to an invitation 
but you might be waiting in the freezing cold for a train to come and you're like, is it worth it? Right. And then if you add kids into the mix, like if you're married and have kids, then it's like, you got to get them ready, get them dressed, ready to go. And then you meet up with some other mom or dad. It, it, it's significant um, investment when you think about the travel factor too. And say it's, it's not, it's not impossible, but it is harder. God gives the grace to be able to do it. But I think those are some things that just uh, in the journey after college, uh, that was unexpected. But guys, at, at the same time, what has been uh, surprising and what have you done to kind of overcome some of those challenges where you guys have really worked to build community post-college? I, um, I think, honestly, uh, what, what you're talking about makes me, makes me think of uh, when Jesus breaks down um, the whole law into two commandments, he says, he says, um, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So to, to focus on this idea of, of loving your neighbor as yourself, like that's a difficult thing. It is, it is much easier to, uh, turn on TV or, or your, your video game system, whatever you've got, um, than to, to go out and spend time with people. Everyone prefers to do that in the short term. I know that even for myself, there's been times in my life where I felt lonely. I felt like, oh, I just wish I could, I could go and, you know, have a friend to talk to. And I'm still just, you know, booting up the TV, like not working towards that at all because it's harder. Like it's easier to just, just relax. Even though I think we all know it's better to have those like deep relationships where, you know, you can like share your soul with one another. You can share your, your like true self with another person. We all want that, but it takes a lot of work. So yeah, I guess, um, like what it means to, uh, overcome those obstacles. I think in one sense, just, uh, prepare yourself. Like that's, uh, just like you wouldn't go to the gym and throw up 400 pounds on the squat rack the first time you went in there, you know, you're not going to be an awesome community builder the first time you do it. Like, I, I would encourage you in college to go and spend time with other people who might be a little different uh, than you, might be outside of your, your comfort zone to talk to, might be outside of your normal social circles. Um, one, because that's a good talent to have, but two, because you're, you know, you're putting 100 pounds on the squat rack. And getting strong with that before you're dropped off into into the real world when things get harder. So that's that's a big thing. Um, I think that's helpful. And then just kind of going back to echo um, the words of Jesus, like we need to love people, and that's hard, and that's simple and practical. But I think the truth is that simple. Like care about others more than yourself. You know, value that more than yourself. Yeah, I I know that. I want to spend time watching TV and resting sometimes also, but there's a lot of people who need someone to give them a call and need someone to care for them and need someone to invite them over and to make them a meal. And um, it's better for both of you in the long run, even if it's harder. Yeah. Um, I think something that surprised me when I graduated college was not that I wanted to be friends with people that were different from me, but that they wanted to be friends with me um, because I think I'm easily intimidated to initiate a relationship with someone that doesn't naturally fall into my, I don't know, 
like who is not naturally like me. Biggest example being age. It's really easy to make friends with people that are your own age. A, because typically you understand each other's references. You grew up with the same sort of general available pop culture and music, but also like you're in the same phase of life. Um, and I think the fact that I, when I would reach out to people that were older than me uh, as a kid, they sort of play that role of like mentor. And it's like, you know, you have these adults sometimes that function as like a second parent. And that's a wonderful thing. And I think that's a wonderful thing when you're older too. But there's also something to having a friend that's older, that's like a friend. And I didn't want older people to feel like every time we got together, they had to sort of try to fix all my life problems and offer all this sage advice, but we could just be friends. Um, and I think that was just a cool thing. Um, people that younger, older, work in different fields than me, grew up very differently than me. Um, just having a diverse friend group um, beyond just people my age uh, was just really helpful for me, um, gave a lot of perspective. Uh, and it also helped me see that like everyone is seeking community. So I shouldn't be intimidated to initiate a friendship with someone out of fear that they might want to like stick with their pack. Um, Cause I don't think anyone's like turning down a request for a new friend. Um, and then one of the things that I did to sort of help facilitate that community is finding a church. Um, and there's always sort of the, I don't know if it's a tension or just a I guess attention of like when you graduate college, you need housing, you need a job and you need a church if you're a Christian and you want a church. Um, and it's like, which one of those things comes first? And sometimes the answer is super clear. And sometimes it's like, well, I gotta pursue one, like which one do I pursue the most? Um, and I just think finding a healthy and biblical church, like we're, we were created to be in community. And as Christians, we were created to be in biblical community. And Sam referenced some examples in the Bible, but there's a lot of even just smaller, like hinted at examples and just the language that's used of like we and our, um, and even like I was looking at uh, Corinthian uh, Colossians three earlier, and it talks about like putting to death all immorality. And then immediately after it's like put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. So like the way that we fight against that sin is in community. Um, and I've just found that to be huge for me, um, especially after college, it can easily be very isolating. So making sure you're surrounded with people that are speaking truth to your heart. Uh, and then also just a practical thing, um, living in community and these like opportunities for friendship, get togethers, hangouts, whatever. I have to, I had to learn to see them not just as a way for me to make friends, but as a, we, as a way for me to like make other people friends. So how am I using my resources to facilitate community? Not just like me meeting one-on-one -on -one with people so I can have my close best friend, but also like, what do I have that could get people to meet other people? If I have a friend that's particularly lonely, that can I introduce them to other people? Um, and sometimes that means hosting in your home and sometimes you can't do that. So it means getting people together and going out somewhere. But I just think always asking like, what can I do with what I have to surround myself with healthy community and bring others into that? Yes, and you made a great point too in terms of loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, a good question could be in, in terms of overcoming obstacles. Am I being the friend that I want others to be to me? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, would I want someone to shut off the television? You gave that example and give me a call, right? Well, that's that's what I should be pursuing. And just the way that God has designed it, it's like when I actually meet the needs of others and I pursue loving them, I actually get the gift of friendship myself. And, uh, and Rachel, kind of to your point in terms of 
overcoming obstacles. You talk about finding a local church. I really think this is the best context for building biblical community. I, there's just no place like it. When I was in college, I, I attended church, yes, but I, I wasn't involved as I wanted to be. And as a result, I forfeited a lot of wisdom, giants of faith that I never spoke to. And the rich, the richness of diversity as it relates to culture, background, life experience, I never got to taste it because I wasn't plugged in as much as I wanted to be. But being part of a local church post-college really flipped the script. I began to enjoy these benefits I could have had all along. But I learned that in the local church, friendships come in all shapes and sizes. And Rachel, you mentioned this. And here's what I mean by that. God gives us the gift of friendship to help fuel our affections for Jesus, to provide for our physical and spiritual needs, and to encourage us towards faithful living. Now, I mean, we, we know that's not the goal of worldly friendships, but this is what God has in mind for bringing his own children together. And what's been surprising is the kind of people God has brought into my life through the years that have done exactly that. God has God has taught me to widen the field for the friendships he wants to bring into my life. My friends are often not in the same season of life that I'm in. In other words, their lifestyle is the same as mine, nor are they in the same age bracket as me. But in the local church, overcoming this uh, hindrance of, of community in the local church, that's the best place for overcoming it. And you find the width and depth of edifying, loving, faith-stoking friendships. Guys, as you're uh, as you have a college student in mind who's about to graduate, what would you offer to college students now to help them prepare for relational health post-college? I think the biggest thing, which is the thing that probably nobody wants to hear, is you have to put in the work. And not just initially the work of like getting over yourself enough to reach out to someone, which can be really hard, but um, like throughout the relationship, uh, I just think the idea of a, the college friends that become lifelong friends, that friendship when you're 30, 40, 50 years old does not look like it did when you were in college. It, it grows, it deepens, it slows down a little bit. Um, and I just think when you're in college, some crisis happens. Like you, you talk to your friends about it, but a lot of times you reach out to a boyfriend or girlfriend, you call home, you call someone that you've known a little bit longer and you don't necessarily sit down and work through that with your college friends because it's very messy. And sometimes that can cause people to sort of like clench up and walk away from a friendship. So I think like as an adult, like be willing to walk through hard things with other people and also let other people into your hard things and be honest with them. Um, a really good example is Sam's wife, Hannah, has met me in a lot of places where I've just been really low and having a really hard time and has just come in without judgment and said, hey, like, I'm not going to fix this for you, but I'm going to love you through it. And what can I do to encourage you in this time? Um, and I just think her example of friendship to me is one of just honesty and patience, but also like, I know that she's in it for the long haul. She's not just hanging out for a weekend and then we won't talk for six years and just never worry about each other. There's a sense of accountability um, and effort and just mutual honesty. And I think um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I would just seek out, I don't know if the word is heterogeneousness or heterogeneity, but diverse friend groups. I don't know, lots of different people uh, because I think they can provide wisdom, perspective and exposure uh, because most likely you have not grown up exactly the way that everyone else has. Um, and I think especially people that have a very different life experience than your own. Uh, sometimes that's really interesting at first. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but they can 
teach you more about the world, but they can also, I think, help you see yourself a little bit more honestly. Um, and I think it's Verizon used to have like a, they called it like a family plan that was like your friends and your family. Uh, and I just think like the, one of the really nice things about adulthood is that your friends sort of like become your family and you have this like little family group where you're, uh, there's a sense of like a healthy dependency on each other, uh, relationally and emotionally. Um, and I think just, especially in your local church, uh, in a life group, in a Bible study, you just have this um, group of people that is there to challenge and encourage you and can really just uh, speak truth into your life. Yeah, I, I love that, Rachel. Um, I guess there's, there's a, a few quick things I'd say. Um, I guess kind of echoing that and, and uh, going back to, to what I'd said before of, um, you know that that feeling that you get when you have a call that you need to make but or a friend to talk to or something like that, but you like really don't want to and your stomach kind of feels sick and you're like, Ugh, I just really wish this was over already. Um, I think I think I would encourage college age Sam to like lean into that and not lean away from it because that's what like 80%. <laughs> I, I, I have the feeling, I had it maybe like a few times before I, I graduated college. I, I could probably count them on one hand. I think I have it like once a week now of like, oh, I just really, I just really don't want to do this. And that's really hard, but that's part of community building. That's being willing to have hard conversations, being willing to seek people out who uh, might be hard to seek out or might be different or might be difficult to talk to or might cost you something to, to be, be with. So yeah, um, going back to this, this analogy of just, just going to the gym, like, like put in the work now, don't, don't, uh, coast through college. So it's easy. And then suddenly when it gets hard, just drop off because it does get hard. Like it does get hard to do this. Um, that's one thing, I guess, I guess the second thing that I'd really point out is when I, when I became a Christian, something that really struck me hard, one of the first things that struck me hard is how much I built my relationships around what that person could provide for me, what, what they could do. And, and that could be anything from, you know, prestige in the job I'm working to they made me feel good or happy to there's a whole plethora of things some of them are are better and more redeemable than others but but the point is i was basing my relationships around what i could get from them and this is exactly the opposite of what we see christ doing and what we're called to do as christians avoiding that is super hard and takes genuine genuine humility of being willing to serve so I guess meditate on why you have the relationships you do really, really think about that, how you could serve others instead of looking for what they can provide for you. The flip side of that is I think as you cultivate that humility, you begin to see that everyone has something really meaningful to offer. Everyone, everyone's an expert on something. Everyone's super interesting in some ways. Everyone has something they're better than you at that you can learn from. And mm -hmm. And I think, I think once you can kind of remove yourself from getting something out of this relationship, uh, you can open up that space to, 
to really be able to enjoy that relationship more. All those points are, are really good. I, uh, I would like to throw out three myself, just listening to you guys. One would be a, a mind shift change, one would be a practical charge, and then one would be just a promise of comfort, right? I, the, mind shift, the mind shift change would be training myself to redefine what closeness is. Every season in life is different. So let's, let's, let's not compare a past season of life to the current one. Uh, thinking about a great friend I made in college, he, he's still a great friend to this day. We were roommates back then and I saw him every day. We would sit around the apartment and talk for hours. Now he's married, he has two kids, full-time pastor, pouring out his life for others. And uh, now once every two weeks might be when we can get together, but I consider him very close. But it's, it's, it's a mind shift, mind shift of redefining what is close, right? Like when a good friend of yours moves to another town or gets married, it's just resetting expectations around what the relationship's going to look like. And, and even with those living in my own city, I might consider a close friendship seeing someone every couple of months, and, and that's okay. But not being bitter that the relationship is changing, but trusting in God's grace and being grateful for the time that you get together and making the most of it. So I think that mind shift change of redefining what's close I would say a, a practical charge, though, would be in, in regards to the local church, show up, stay around, and serve with others. Right? As you find a local church, we've, we've already said this, that community is not found. It's built, and I've known a lot of people that they attend King Sill, or they've attended King Sill for a long time, but they're not relationally connected. And it saddens me, but it's because, you know, when you show up, right when the service starts and leave right when the service ends, you're never really going to make friends that way. And so show up, you know, and what opportunities does the church have to be around people in, in those places, be there. Every church is going to look different for us. It's life group, discipleship cohorts. There's a, I love the spontaneous get togethers that our church throws to right lunches after service or game nights when we used to meet in the evenings, game evenings. But whenever the invitation's there, show up. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we talk about building community at the church. We, we tend to talk about it in two different ways. One is face-to-face, -face, right? Like the, the talk over coffee type of feel, but we also talk a lot about shoulder to shoulder. In Philippians 2, Paul speaks highly of these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he calls Epaphroditus, he calls him a fellow soldier. Soldiers have a common mission. But soldiers experience the highs and lows, the ups and downs to see a mission accomplished. And the experiences of sadness and triumph and moving forward in one direction, it forge, forges these unbreakable bonds. And I think this is such great imagery for Christian friendships. We strive together to make much of our king. We're going to experience setback and victory in the mission. But as we journey together, soldier on together, they're really, they're really, uh, in, in, in this pursuit, God forges these unbreakable bonds that I think is, is sweeter than what you're going to get in the world. But I would just say too, just this one, uh, this promise of comfort that just thinking of verses that come to mind, I'm, and I'm thinking about the person that moving into this, you know, they might be moving into a new city or uh, into a new town or walking into the church for the, for the first time, just want to equip them with God's promises, right? It's Psalm 68, 6 that God sets the lonely in families. That's a beautiful promise. Or Philippians 4.19, that my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Or Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things, things being your needs, like friendships, 
will be added to you. And so just a message of encouragement that God knows what we need. And even though community may look differently than what we had envisioned or take more time than we had thought, just resting that God's going to provide the people we need in our lives if we follow him. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's discussion around community, post-college, and how to pursue relational health after you graduate. Glad you could join us at the King's Table. If you'd like to check out more resources from King's Hill or more and more information about the church, you can visit www.kingshillboston.com.